filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues, including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. I learned something about uh, fatherhood this weekend, uh, though it has nothing to do with me and being a father. Um, a friend of mine uh, was going to host several other friends. We were all going to go over, watch college basketball, drink some beer, order or cook food. It was going to be a nice uh, guy's night, more civilized than some of our past guy's night in, in which people were passed out in the gutter, etc. As, um, as we've learned from various episodes of this podcast. Correct. Um, so this but, was not going to be an event that required sleeping under a table. Most likely not. Um, or, or going out to the beach in a derecho. Uh, the beach would have been very far away. That would have been uh, a journey that would have taken days on foot. Um, so Would that have stopped you? Uh, well, eventually you run out of steam. I mean, you don't stay that drunk forever. Um, <laughs> you walk for a while and you realize, like, this is dumb. I, I'm in the middle of, uh, like, I don't know, I probably would have run out of steam somewhere around where the Beltway meets 97, um, <laughs> if I decided to make that walk. Um, but so the, the guy that was going to host got sick. His son brought home some sort of malady from the preschool, got him and his wife very sick, and they were like, we cannot host. You should not come here. Everyone is very sick. Stay away. And I was thinking, like, oh, all the guys are going to just drop the plan, and I'm just going to be watching these games by myself. It's not going to be as fun. And my one friend owns a gym, and he was like, well – you know, no one's going to be at the gym. We can just do it there. Um, and no one can stop me from hosting it because I own the place. And I was like, well, you know, at least we'll do that. So I guess it'll just be me and him. And my other friends were very emphatic. They were like, no, I boxed out this time. We are going to get together. We are going to drink beer and eat meat. And we're going to watch basketball. And it's going to be awesome. You, you do not back out and you do not show up with a, a lack of intensity. You come you come with the. <laughs> At full speed, and I was like, I'm glad that that's still in there with them, because I thought it was going to be me trying to convince them, like, you should still come out, you should still come out. But they were like, I booked this time, my wife and children are occupied, I need this. Um, <laughs> so that's something I learned over the weekend, uh, was that that can happen. And of course, uh, they continued to go hard, uh, they they showed up with way too many beers. Um, <laughs> more, more beers than we, there were five people there, and there were... One person came in with a – he literally had to be given a box by the liquor store to carry the amount of beer he was walking <laughs> in with. Um, another friend who almost never brings more than a small amount of very light beer still bought uh, two two six-packs. Um, there was beer when we got there, and my friend was like, you know, there's liquor as well um, because sometimes, sometimes they have gym parties, and there's a bucket of liquor in case they have a party. Um, he's like, so we, we can use the liquor as well. And it's like this this escalated much faster than I thought it was going to. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. DC United will welcome FC Dallas to RFK Stadium this Saturday at 5.30. It'll be DC United's network broadcast. Well, not network, but broadcast TV debut here in DC, at least recent debut. This game will be on ABC7 and not News Channel 8. Um, 
And uh, to help us preview this game against Dallas, we have Ben Lyon from our SB Nation sister site, Big D Soccer. Ben, welcome to Filibuster. Good evening. How are you tonight? Oh, we're doing all right. Doing all right. Um, we we have a little tradition here. We have to ask, what are you drinking? Uh, well, last night I was drinking Kalnapilis, which is a Lithuanian beer um, that my Russian mobster neighbors were nice enough to bring bring over. Um, a lot of but, Russian mob down in Dallas. Uh, actually, I'm out in L.A. <laughs> and, oh, okay, that makes more sense. To the best of my knowledge, no, no, there's not a lot of Russian mob out here, but there might be. Um, uh, ask, ask me again whenever we uh, we play next year, and I know the neighbor a little bit better. <laughs> Excuse me, when Todd knows the neighbor a little bit better. Um, yeah, Ben Ben is here on an alter ego tonight. Um, you mentioned last night because we were we we tried to record last night and. and my internet created some technical difficulties that we are unable to overcome. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight I'm drinking the Southern delicacy known as Dr. Pepper. Excellent. That is a much more Dallas drink. <laughs> Indeed. So your, your boys got their first one of the year this weekend to nothing over the Montreal impact, but they weren't convincing for a big portion of the game. Uh, before the season, they were pegged as Supporter Shield and MLS Cup favorites. What is going on with them right now? Why, why are they kind of underwhelming for big stretches? Well, just just to correct you real quick, it's actually their second 2-0 win of the year. I know the first one was over Philadelphia, so that might not yeah, technically we, we count in your book. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the game in Houston was kind of a weird blip. Um, if you saw the uh, playback of Hedges scoring a, a, a velvety soft own goal um, in the first twenty minutes of the game to go down two nil, it was just it was just not not FC Dallas's night uh, down in Houston, and Houston hadn't hadn't had a positive result from the, the Texas Derby in a couple of years and uh, there was probably a ton of bulletin board and it was the perfect storm of Houston being pissed off and, and playing really well and FC Dallas just uh, kind of getting behind the eight ball early and totally mailing it in. So, uh, you know, their two home home wins were reasonable enough performances. They do um, have a couple of new backline uh members that they're trying to integrate into the team and uh, a new defensive midfielder uh, named Carlos Gresso, who uh, hadn't played in a while, but has a, a very, very good pedigree. Um, so you're not close to peak Dallas at this point, And I don't imagine that you will see them at, at their peak this weekend when they go to uh, play at RFK. So speaking of that back line, you are going to be missing um, essentially four out of the five pieces of that defense, if you count the goalkeeper um, that, that have been starting. Uh, Matt Hedges will be the only one that remains. And it's funny because a lot of people think he should be called into Jurgen Klinsmann's camp. Um, what what difference will, will that make for, for you guys? What what defenders uh, are missing that are that are going to change things? And, and what does missing Jesse Gonzalez do for you? Well, the, the sheer number uh, of defenders that they're missing and the fact that they don't have a, a whole lot of depth rostered there um, 
it probably means you're going to see a crazy 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 rolled out um, this weekend. Um, as far as uh, Gonzalez's backup, it's it's Chris Seitz. You know, he's he's been around for a while now. Um, I, I remember him playing in the Olympics back in 2008, and, and, you know, now he's in, like, his eighth season in MLS, and it's kind of a kind of a seasoned vet. Um, you know, last, last year, Dallas was unique in that they had three different keepers keep clean sheets, um, sites, Dan Kennedy and Jesse Gonzalez. So it, it's really not that big of a concern. He's pretty, pretty well pedigreed for a backup. So shouldn't be too much trouble there, but the, the, the patchwork defense is going to be interesting. And, and like I say, I, I, I halfway expect a, a crazy attacking lineup this weekend, just based on the fact that they don't really have a lot of options in defense at this point. Uh, ben, you mentioned uh, Carlos Guerrero, who played in the Bundesliga, has played in a World Cup, and he's only 20 years old. Um, for our listeners that don't, haven't seen Dallas yet, tell us a little more about him. Um, wow. Uh, good motor, uh, very athletic, um, reads the game exceptionally well. Um, like most players, there's an adjustment phase with MLS, and he really got overwhelmed in Houston, but um, was pretty steady in the, the Philadelphia and, and Montreal games. And, and I, I, again, we're not close to peak Dallas, and we're definitely not close to peak Gresso because you can, you can see why they, they spent money to bring him in in the offseason. He's definitely got – he's definitely a step up from uh, uh, Uyoa. Who, who was not, not a bad player at all for the last two years in Dallas. It's just, you know, he's on a different level talent-wise. Uh, and going with another newcomer in Dallas, uh, last season uh, was sort of a goals-by-committee approach, and now it's Maxi Aruti, who's pretty much the only out-and-out striker on the roster with any MLS experience. So, how have you felt about Aruti so far this season? Do you think he's he's the answer there, or do you think Colorado or Dallas is going to have to pick up somebody else uh, come summer? Well, I th- I think kind of the, the plan with him has been, always been wait and see. Um, you know, coming into the season with him as the only uh, pure striker on the roster, um, not named Coy Craft. He's a younger player. Um, I, I was very dubious at first. I, I never really liked him all that much up in Portland, but uh, he and he and Diaz are, are fast friends now um, and appear to have pretty good chemistry. They definitely did in preseason, and you know he started off with uh, two of four, two of the, the four Dallas goals. So um, jury's still out. I, I, I kind of started to drink the Kool-Aid on him uh, later in or later in the preseason. And, uh, you know, I predicted that he scored 20 goals this year <laughs> after drinking the Kool-Aid. So that, that, that'll, that'll tell you where, where I, where I think he is. Um, he probably won't actually score 20 goals, but he looks, he looks at least, you know, as far as the effort he puts, as he puts in an honest defensive effort and, and looks to, you know, have a better sense of making making the classical striker runs um, that perhaps 
David Teixeira uh, didn't didn't really fully grasp while he was here. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. Um, like I say, I kind of drank the Kool Aid on him, but uh, you know, I'm a homer, so I could I could easily be wrong on that. <laughs> um, my last question to, to finish off on uh, new acquisitions. Moro, um, Moro Rosales, uh, the other Moro. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, he might be the only other Moro in the league, but they, Dallas has all of them. Um, has only really played, I think, once, and it was a this past weekend as a 90th minute sub. Uh, what do you think his role is going forward? Do you think he's just going to be a, a late game sub, or do you think he is the Moro Diaz insurance plan that Dallas has kind of needed over the past few years? Well, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know that'll that'll basically we'll we'll see it the first time uh, uh, the other Mauro um, um, of our monopoly on Mauros um, goes down or needs a break. Um, we've got Concacaf Champions League and U.S. Open Cup, and again, all of these internationals leaving. Um, this summer. So I think a lot of the way the team was constructed in the off season, uh, had the anticipation that they were going to lose players to international matches. And then they had an extra tournament and they wanted to do better in the U S open cup. Cause, uh, last year at Kansas city, they pretty much just fielded, uh, <laughs> a capitulation squad. And they, uh, they, uh, did their part in, in, <laughs> And, and leaving the tournament with their uh, tail tail tucked between their legs, and I really think that uh, you know the U.S. Open Cup's named after Lamar Hunt, who is you know the the godfather of MLS and and used to own the club. Now now it's run by his sons, Dan and Clark. Um, they really want to do better in that tournament. So the team's a lot deeper now, and I, I, I think. At the very least, you know, you see seven people leave this weekend to play for their international teams, and I don't think Pereja is sweating it as much as he would last year. Hi, Ben. It's Ben. Um, I have I've one question for you uh, about uh, FC Dallas's semi-vaunted, well-vaunted uh, homegrown player academy. Uh, they've signed a lot of players from... Uh, the academy and some of them turn out have turned out to be successes. But what do you think overall the academy has done, and what do you think about all the players who haven't turned out as well and have been uh, left to the wayside? Well, it, it's interesting because back when uh, Preha was at the head of the academy. Um, it, Shellis Heinemann was the coach, and he really was one of these coaches that wanted to lean on veteran players. So uh, they signed a lot of homegrown players before uh, Pereja took the reins, and the problem was they didn't they didn't get much playing time. Um, so a lot of them, you know, their their development kind of kind of stopped whenever they got to the senior team level because Shellis wouldn't play him. Well, Pereja has no such reservations. He's he's all about getting young players in um, early. Uh, you look back to the Columbus game last year, with it, which they won at Columbus three nothing, and I want to say that they started five homegrown players uh, in the same lineup. Uh, 
two of them were under 20 years old. And uh, the homegrown players now are getting a lot more minutes. So it seems like the development from the academy to the senior team now has that bridge where Pereja is willing to risk, you know, putting a new a young guy out there and, and letting him have have a game and, and maybe make a mistake that he can learn from and build off of. And, uh, yeah, you really saw that with Uyoa in particular. Um, he was on the verge of, you know, not having his contract renewed uh, before Perea hired on. And when he hired on, you know, Uyoa was out of contract and, you know, about – Five games into that season, he he got the call to to play, and he played basically the rest of the season and all of last year, and 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 now he's still having to fight for a slot, but he he got the start last week, so uh, I, I'd say it's definitely on the upturn. Pereja has continued that stewardship at the senior level, and and it's really starting to bear fruit, and it's a good thing because uh, you know we can't go below in several million dollars on a on a designated player. It's just not in the budget. You can't spend the budget oh. on another Danielson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's one of my other uh, aliases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was you. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought it was some other guy. No, my game was way. No, better. we had we had someone famous on the podcast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, a lot of I, I I do have to ask. I I I love soccer uniforms and soccer jerseys, and and Dallas has has had some over <laughs> their time. Um, they went to the hoops for a while. They tried the hoops as a nickname and got away from it in the last couple of years. This year they have pinstripe hoops with sublimated red. What do you make of this year's jerseys and, and the whole idea of hoops that are red on red? Uh, see, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this because I'm not, not a big kit nerd. Um, I, I go to I, war with the podcast guest you have, Ben, not the podcast guest you want. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, hey, listen, I like to I like to look this year. It's it's kind of a kind of a preppy uh, J Crew kind of look, in, in, in my opinion. <laughs> it's sharp. It's sharp. Uh, like the broader. You're sounding broader. like an East Coaster, man. Yeah, the broader the broader hoops that they had in the past, I always thought that they kind of looked a little bit cheesy. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people that have ardent disagreements with that. But like I say, it's not it, it's not that big of a deal, big big of a deal to me. But I like I like the way um, this this new mod they've got uh, is showing up, and they have more combinations as far as socks and shorts. So. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm 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 generally a fan, you know, dispassionate as it may be, but um, <laughs> I, if if uh, you know, you put me in as a neutral and gave me a selection of what they had in the last five years, I'd pick pick this one just uh, as a matter of taste. Fair enough. Yeah, I I definitely like the combinations of shorts and socks. Personally, I like versatility in in my kit nerddom. I guess. Um, more substantively, put yourself in Ben Olsen's shoes for a minute. How do you game plan against this FC Dallas team that, that will be in RFK this weekend? 
Ah, uh, wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's, that's, that's a really, really good question. I'm sure I would probably disagree with, uh, how Ben Olson goes about it just because I'm, I'm a lot more wild ass about, you know, <laughs> what, what I want out of a soccer game than he does. Cause he's, he, he's clearly a results driven guy and, uh, likes his team to be, be well organized. So, um, you know, I would, I would, I would imagine um, it's something like that, uh, and you know, I would foul Mauro Diaz a lot. Uh, that's that's really been like, as far as I can tell, the most consistent recipe for neutralizing FC Dallas game in and ga- game out. Um, you know, Diaz is a little guy, and uh, you know. Marcelo Sarvis will probably have about 10 fouls by the end of the game and be <laughs> on the edge of a red card. But, you know, that's that's how you beat FC Dallas and one nothing on, on whenever they're on the road, you know. Beat the, beat the hell out of Moro Diaz and, uh, and uh, st- stop him on the counter whenever, <laughs> whenever you do it. All right, man, that's, that's all the questions we've got for you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Uh, well, I write for the, uh, the Big D Soccer blog. I actually do mostly men's national team stuff and write the, uh, the weekly fantasy article with Phil Lutchford. Um, and outside of that, um, you know, I several aliases across the internet, but we won't go into those tonight. Uh, just look, look for me at bigdsoccer.com. All right. Y'all find us at black and red united.com. We are on Twitter at fill the podcast at black and red. You for the website. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Mostly though, when you're at the tailgate on Saturday and the weather should be okay on Saturday, it won't be like it was this past weekend. So go to RFK. Uh, and and tell a friend about the podcast while you're there. Uh, also, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. That's it for this week. Thank you, Ben Lyon, for joining us. For Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson, I'm Adam Taylor. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. <laughs> <laughs>